Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome into episode 48 of Kayfabe Council, the show where we review and critique news topics and segments in the world of professional wrestling. My name is Pretty Tony, and alongside me, as always, is the goodest of good brothers, TF Joker. Joker was crack, man. What's going on? Oh, you know, the old lazy week. I've got so much going on this week, PT. I'm just like, yeah, I even I even want to like adult today. I didn't want to adult, but I woke up, went and did my adulting, and now I'm here to talk wrestling. Like it, it's just one of those things that even being asked, I'm like, what did I do this week other than just stuff? And I can't answer. I honestly can't answer. There's just too much stuff. I've had to do a bit of adulting this week as well, and. And it's wreaked havoc on my sleep. Oh, to for the veteran folks that have watched and or listened, I have had insomnia for more than twenty or so years since uh, I was a teen, and I've never slept well anyway. But this week, man, hot diggity! I've only just basically had like three or four naps over the course of the day, of the calendar day, basically almost every day this week because of oddball times. I needed to be awake to do stuff and things of such. So. I can feel you this week has been quite the interesting workload. Uh, so I align with you, brother, for sure. Yeah, I've only got one more week because that gives me all the stuff I need to do in that one week for my school. Finish that stuff, get my uh, final piece of coursework in, fish, bash, bosh, and I'm done for the summer. So that's 50% less adulting right there. As soon as that is done, this one week, so all I'm asking for, for this one week of wrestling, is to have zero drama. It's to have zero compelling storylines, and zero reason for me to watch and obsess over the news like I have done these past 48 weeks. So please, just give me that. Every once in a while, you're hoping for things to happen, and every once in a while like this one, you're hoping things don't happen, but be that as it may, I'm hoping that your schoolwork is situated and sorted. You can kind of get that under control, and hopefully things go back to a little bit more of a calmer clip, much like you, Joker, and for the folks listening and watching, hopefully things are going well with you, but interesting week we had so far in wrestling. Cowboy Brock looking super sweet in that duster. We had a tournament announced. We had a potential Rhea versus Solo match I 1000% would look forward to. A subtle heel turn, a beating, a title change. And hot dang, the Attitude Era WWF is back. Gang Wars is here to stay. Let's Jeffin go. I think the, the one thing that I really liked was just the subtle switcheroo. So, obviously, Solo being swapping with Jay is like, swap with Solo so they're not staring at each other. And then Finn's just like, nah, mate, you're alright. Mommy just takes that step and Finn's just the casual, you know, switcheroo. is like, yeah, Judgment Day want this as much as, uh, as much as the Bloodline don't want it. And I think everybody in the universe wants this, wants this match. 
Personally, I don't want to see Solo get squashed. <laughs> because that is all that needs to happen. Solo's not ready to be squashed in the way that he uh he is going to get squashed by uh by Rhea, Rhea bloody Ripley. So um yeah, maybe it's a maybe that's a slow burn right there. But keep giving us that little I do like it because obviously she's the eradicator and he's the enforcer. It's the muscle versus the muscle. It was my favorite part of uh favorite part of the week. This week was littered with just little moments. Things, just mm. really subtle storytelling beats that were just fun to watch and kind of witness. And we just picked a couple of different things this week, as you see in the title of the show that we'll get into a little bit in a few moments. But yeah, we just kind of picked a couple things and we'll just go ahead and chat about them. But I just wanted to make note and just sprinkle in a couple of those fun moments because it was uh, quite the interesting little week that we had. So. Hopefully you'll enjoy the topics that we will talk about here and enjoy those little moments that happened so far. So come along on this journey with us. We're going to chat about some topics, spout some bollocks, have some fun, maybe get some folks on our side, perhaps get a little heat ski from the fans, but we shall see. Well, plenty of fantasy booking to be done and correct. All right, as a reminder, you can find us in video form at youtube.com slash Council and in audio form wherever you get your podcasts from. On this week's episode, we look at AEW announces Pillar Tournament. Britt Baker gets beaten down by Soraya. Adam Cole has to watch on. And Wardlow wins the TNT Championship and becomes a three-time TNT Champion. But, coming up first, AEW announces Pillar Tournament. So on this past week's episode of AEW Dynamite, to start off the show, we had Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, Sammy Guevara, and Darby Allin come out, and they talk about their impressions of one another. Darby says Sammy is a follower, and Jack had it easiest because he's part of the California click and we have a jungle Jack fires back Darby is only here because he couldn't make it as a skateboarder and of course Sammy was inspired by Darby and he tries to outdo him at every step so they're going back and forth taking shots at one another but of course MJF's music hits he announces that there will be a pillars tournament and the winner of that tournament, of course, will face MJF Double or Nothing for the AEW Championship. We get to see that Darby gets a bye for that first round, and Jungle Boy and Sammy will have that match on the same night. So, Joker, real quick, for the first element, what were your impressions of the pillars and the promos themselves? We had previously spoken about, in order to get better, steal a line from the Rocky movies, iron sharpens iron, you need some reps, you need to get more comfortable with different aspects of your work, you need to do more of them for these guys, it's the promos, as well as work with people better than you so you can get better. What were your thoughts on the promo section of this? 
I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. Um, each of these guys have elements to their promo game that could be strengthened up. Uh, sometimes it's a little bit just coherence. Sometimes it's uh, maybe stumbling over words. But honestly, I thought it was pretty okay. Like, there was no firing back at each other or anything. It was no call and response type of deal. It was, this is your turn to talk. This is your turn to talk. This is your turn to talk. I'm being respectful. So three guys in the ring, you kind of expect that. It's not like it's a one-to-one versus MJF or something. But I, I completely forgot about that one snide remark that you you reminded me of there where Darby's only here because he couldn't make it as a skateboarder. I laughed then and I laughed again if you caught it. Like I just kind of I just kind of snickered there. It was like, yeah, how do you how do you not make it as a skateboarder, Darby? What are you doing, bruh? You come down to the ring on your skateboard and then that's it. Is that all is that is that all you can do? Like, is that literally all you can do? I mean, it's like 50% more than what I can do. I can barely stand on a skateboard without falling flat on my butt. But I just kind of resonated with Sammy and his his talking trash there. Because I was like, <laughs> well, he couldn't, he couldn't make it in film school. He couldn't make it as a skateboarder. He can barely make it as a wrestler. You know, what's, what's going on with this guy? As you can tell, I don't like Darby Allen right now. But, you know, it was one of those things I felt like Darby's sort of input to this was overshadowed by Sammy poking fun at him. And I thought the Jungle Boy had a stronger than usual promo. So out of the three of these guys, I was like, Darby, you sucked, bruh. I'm a little far removed from the skateboard scene, but I'm not sure if Tony Hawk and other folks from the video game are still relevant, as well as Ska. I don't know if we're going to have a fourth or fifth wave of Ska, so I don't know I mean, if Darby is going to make it. Tony Hawk's a cool guy. Like. Yeah. yeah. I, I, like, you know, I am your typical skateboarder, clearly. I know what I'm talking about. Um, that is sarcasm, if you couldn't pick that one up. But uh, it just made me giggle that, you know, we already heard from the horse's mouth about his, you know, no-nonsense, didn't want to compromise anything attitude when it came to film school, and then did his morals kind of scupper him whenever he went skateboarding? It's like, no, I wish to do an ollie this way. That's a move, right? I'm pretty sure that's a move in skateboarding. So, I want to do this as an ollie, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I want to land everything in a body bag, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm just like, that's why he couldn't do it. But I have to say, regards to the promo themselves, we saw these guys, for the most part, had not gotten a ton of microphone time. We did see the first time a number of weeks back, roughly a month's time, that we had the four pillars face off at, against one another in a sort of promo off. This was an offshoot of the MJF Bar Mitzvah revisit. So this was, I gotta say... Feeling a little bit more comfortable, there was a bit more of confidence from these guys as opposed to the sort of sink or swim moment that they had had previously. So it's good to see a bit of development. You're right in the sense of, all right, I have my promo, then you have your promo, then you have your promo, we throw to FJF, and we're good. 
It wasn't a call and response, so we're not quite there yet in a sort of collective or a one-on-one or a, a tag team sort of element promo section, but I gotta say, these guys are working at it, they're getting better, so kudos on the improvement. As we switch here in regards to the what they're terming a pillars tournament, of course we or mentioned we have Darby getting a bye. We had that match, Sammy Guevara versus Jungle Boy in the main event of Dynamite. We see some chicanery and some shenanigans essentially with the assist from MJF. We have Sammy Guevara going on to now face Darby in this upcoming week's episode of Dynamite, to then see who faces MJF. So we got to see a little bit of a partnership of sorts. There was a backstage with Renee, essentially MJF trying to buy off Sammy's partnership, sort of submissiveness, whatever you'd like to call it, so he can get an easy way. But we have the heel that is Sammy Guevara been like, ah, I don't know about that, but I'm kind of work it to kind of get my angle. So interesting that we have Jack eliminated first, essentially. And as it stands, we're going to have again, the Darby and Sammy P. So real quick, the impression of Jack already being eliminated and the possibility of a Sammy or Darby joker. A bit annoyed honestly it felt like it was a wee bit too soon for him to be removed from the state of play for the competition um i didn't know i didn't i didn't know if i wanted this to happen as in the elimination uh of of jungle boy or if i wanted everything to backfire and for Sammy to be eliminated. Because I feel like a few weeks ago we were talking about how they can get around this and, and we talked about it and I, I threw around the idea of these guys having to build up wins and losses, jump through hoops, and then we'll have this tournament style. So I mean TK, my uh you can have my you can have my credit dates and you can send me some money along for the idea, big man. No problem. Uh it's just smart business sense. And um it felt like they really didn't want this. Um, they really didn't want this to be a clean win, which personally would have helped everybody. I'm I'm just wee bit on. I don't know. I'm a wee bit lost as to why Sammy had to win with MJF's help. If we're trying to make Sammy into a contender, you know what I mean. Um, if Jungle Boy had have won despite the interference, then it would have made him an even an even bigger baby face. Right now, this does nothing for Sammy except put him in the firing line for Darby. So I don't know. I'm a wee bit sort of uh, torn, really. I'm just gonna go ahead and come out and say it. I'm a little disappointed that it's not a four way. We had mentioned that in our previous episode when that first encounter happened with all the pillars. Once again, that was a, an offshoot of the bar mitzvah piece, but I felt like if it was a four-way, you can have all four guys shown off. They can 
display their athleticism. You can have spots. You can have fun little moments. And then you can have an ending sequence where you hit a lot of spots, finishers, piece, and then MJF kind of comes in and steals the win. Now, bear in mind, you can kind of keep MJF looking strong because he ultimately comes out with the victory, but coming off the performance that he had with Brian Danielson, they had a strong, long match there. So I think it's one of those where you also want to have a strong performance from MJF and maybe not have too much of a shenanigan-laced ending, perhaps. But then again, that match ended in there. So your notion of Jack being eliminated because of shenanigans from MJF and Sammy, I agree that if Jack had won, he would have been super white meat baby face and would have overcome all that stuff. So I agree to potentially it helps him look a little stronger because it wasn't a clean win he was he lost because of interference but the flip side of that coin also is sammy won because of the interference so it doesn't make him look as strong as he could have so there's no easy way to make everybody be the strongest that they can and help grow to where they can be a legit contender and looking forward to the match. So with that, I think now that we're ongoing to a Jack, excuse me, a Sammy and a Darby matchup, it's going to be interesting how this one also plays out. Are we going to have some more interference? Are we going to have some chicanery? Are we going to maybe have a clean win for one of these guys? And bear in mind, with this matchup coming up on Wednesday, we do have some time, uh, at least a couple of weeks before the pay-per-view, to build up said person to be a strong matchup. We have an idea of who might win at the pay-per-view, but at least to have it be a credible, noteworthy match to look forward to. Yeah, I mean... That's going to take some work, and I think uh, I agree with you that I'm I'm disappointed it's not a four way. I believe I threw about uh, an idea of having the three remaining pillars. It's not MJF uh, face off in a triple threat, and then have that the week before the pay per view, as in maybe the go home dynamite, uh, so that you have a reason for them maybe not going in a hundred percent, and you know that way you have all three of those individuals sort of having that same sort of uh big um platform with which to perform uh i would have loved to see a four-way we could have seen uh we could have seen multiple high spots obviously with four-way we would have had no no dqs no rules things like this here um so you would have seen ladders you would have seen tables you would have seen chairs Darby would have brought out some thumbtack you know there would have been there would have been some you know chicanery as you like to say there Putting, uh, putting the boys over, and then only for MJF to pull out of the back. Um, this idea that sort of Jungle Boy still looks strong, even though losing to the to the the cheating, doesn't sit well with me. It doesn't help or hinder him, but it, it he's removed now as per storyline. He is removed from this. So he is no longer within the running for this storyline. 
which means now he has to go off and find something else. The idea that a contender loses to cheating from the champion, which is what we have had here, is that the contender would lose via the cheating to a to an outside party. Party who is not concerned with the current feud between uh the contender and the champion. So even though the contender would have lost, here being Jungle Boy, uh yeah, he still would have been strong because even though he lost to somebody who's outside of the thing, the story could still go on. Because now he has to get one up and he would cost the Hela match. But MJF doesn't do matches. MJF does pay-per-views. That's it. He doesn't do tuner matches. You've seen I've seen him post on Twitter. He's doing his uh he's doing his lunges and stuff and his workout uh sessions. So we've just removed a pillar from the storyline. And it was unceremonious. It was kind of BS. And yeah, that compounds my disappointment that it's not a fatal four way, that it's not a triple threat match on the go home before, because now we're left with Sammy and Darby. Who is that going to really end up being, do you think, facing MJF? For me, who should it be or who's going to end up facing MJF in this match? I'm kind of leaning towards Darby at the moment. There was an element in that promo where I believe it was Darby that said to Sammy that under Jericho's thumb, you're a follower and you don't have that kind of main event-ish or stand on your own two feet type of deal. Bear in mind that when Sammy did strike out on his own soft split from Jericho he ended up being some TNT champion but I think that resonated with me just a little bit I'm not the hugest of Sammy fans but I appreciate his athleticism and the work that he puts in but to be fair just from a perception standpoint I feel that him always being under the thumb of Jericho and playing second fiddle to that makes me think at the right now since Darby can stand on his own, that it might be, at least for the moment, Darby facing MJF, and Sammy will get his moment to shine a little later. I don't disagree. I think currently the plans are that it's going to be Darby, especially with the ham-fisted sort of uh, inclusion of a uh, an unlimited check being given to Sammy for uh, a partnership. Uh, with MJF, it it seems like TK, I don't know, maybe has outsourced his his uh his sort of his match direction, his booking to a five year old, uh, because that honestly feels about um about as obvious as as we're going to get. Like I I would be so happy to see it be Sammy versus MJF. But honestly, would be love to be proven wrong. But it looks like we're throwing the derby here. I would also love to be proven wrong that somehow we're going to swerve it into a four way. Like, don't get me wrong, I would love this, but we're making this an obvious choice that these two guys have to face off. Two of the biggest names in the company that are homegrown: Darby Allen, MJF. I don't think anybody wants to disagree with that. Um, 
homegrown, as far as homegrown names go, those are the two biggest currently. Um, I really kind of want it to be Sami, though. And the reason I want it to be Sami is because of those comments. Like, of the comments that you, you struck out, you made it on your own. Like, yes, Sami has struck out and made it on his own, but there was a pretty contentious TNT reign in there, which people didn't seem to like. Myself included, I, I'm not gonna BS people. I he had go home heat with me. Like, I really didn't care about about Sami after a while. His his TNT reign was absolutely ridiculously dumb. It was done whenever he was just uh, just don't even bother. It was awful. Um, but he has sort of shown me a little bit of fun, and even though like, I'm not the biggest spot guy, sometimes I just kind of tune off for a Sami match whenever he's like, well, suppose I gotta throw myself through a table now. Is there anything tall I can throw myself off? Like the blood and guts match where he threw himself off the cage into the end of the table. Um, it's just one of those things. But to see the hail versus hail and the sort of uh, supposed smug grin of MJF be like, well, I've hired this guy to lay down for me. Like, this is going to be great. Only for Sammy to hit the roll up. And we're going to do a Bullet Club style sort of, ah, you know. Sorry, I, like we're going to do a, a, a Jay White versus uh, Chase Owens style of match where it's like in the G1, Jay White was paying off Chase to just lay down and give him all the wins. Whereas we had like a 15 minute barn burner between these two. So it was absolutely fantastic. And that's what I want to see. Because I feel like those two guys can have a much better match than Darby and MJF. But I feel like because of Darby's style and his willingness to put him himself in the firing line, that we're going to see a sort of hardcore, if you want to call it that, rule set to push MJF. Because it seems like MJF wants to take people on in their signature matches if his previous match with Brian Danielson is anything to go by. I'll harken back. Once again, disappointed that it's not a four-way. It would have given Jungle Boy, Sammy, as well as Darby, a bit of a rub to go against the world champion. Gives them all time to get some spots in. I think it would have been a net positive. Be that as it may, we're going to have, at least at the time of recording, looking like it's going to be a one-on-one match. Hopefully with the time that we have after this coming Dynamite will have some time to garner interest in the match, build it up, and as Joker would affectionately say, put some seeds of doubt, make folks interested that there could be a title change. So, interestingly enough, those are our thoughts on AEW announcing a pillar tournament. Let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube. Or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, let us know what your thoughts are on this tournament and who you would like to face MJF at Double or Nothing. We have here the next topic. Britt Baker gets beaten down by Soraya and Adam Cole watches on. We have the segment start with Adam Cole and Chris Jericho come face to face in the ring. We have Cole start off saying he has a ton of respect for Jericho, and they shake hands. 
But Chris fires back, and he has absolutely zero respect for Cole. Jericho thinks Cole is arrogant, is upset over Cole interrupting his celebration the previous week over Heath Lee. Adam Cole comes back calling Chris an egomaniac, an insecure, fickle, stupid idiot. Then we get Cole and Jericho begin to brawl. Danny Garcia hits the ring and hits Cole from behind. Britt Baker makes an entrance. Cole's girlfriend comes into the ring and slaps Chris Jericho. However, to neutralize Britt, the outcasts crawled out from underneath the ring and attack Britt from behind. Danny Garcia handcuffs Adam Cole to the bottom rope while the outcasts make Britt Baker watch. Garcia then hands a kendo stick to Jericho, and Cole dares Chris to hit him. However, Jericho hands the kendo stick to Soraya, and she begins wailing on Baker. Adam Cole then begs Jericho to let Britt Baker go, but Soraya keeps hitting Baker with that kendo stick as Jericho laughs. Even here, the little piece of Britt breaking kayfabe screaming Austin, Adam Cole's real name, so playing up the emotion and the gravitas of the moment. And then we end with Jericho and Soraya hugging and celebrating the beatdown. So Jericho here just playing it up and interesting little story elements we have here bringing in the outcasts themselves, obviously with the heat between Britt and Soraya from their previous encounter. But Joker, what were your impressions of the back and forth with Chris Jericho and Adam Cole? And subsequently that image, Cole having to watch Britt being struck down with that kendo stick. This was brutal. I uh, I loved it. It was awkward. It felt it felt awkward, you know, to to sort of um, see this sort of scene play out, where you know I was just willing Adam Cole to just rip that. You know, come on, dude, rip that that uh, that cuff off off the rope. Uh, it's got to be gimmicked. Just rip it off and start wheeling, and you know. Um, Keith Lee will come down and we'll we'll have a happy you know happy ending here. I was just I was I was baby faced Joker here for a second. I was like, just just do it, come on, get the rally going. And I was just like, wow, this is this is suitably brutal. I, I'm liking this. And then to hear Brit scream, Austin, you know, help and all this here, and he was just like, oh, it was very very sad and emotional. Um. I thought it, it's a it's a really good segment to build heat against the appropriate people, because I feel like Jericho is losing a lot of heat in the ring, because no one cares, and I mean this in the nicest of ways, Chris. We all know you're a great person, uh, you know, who does the job for people whenever it needs to be done. You go you go into business and you do business and you're you're a goat. You have been doing this a long time. But that's just it. You've been doing this a long time and this is like your second group in AEW. So we're kind of a little bit bored and we want to see what you're gonna do next. Uh so to really compound the fact that Adam Cole has gone from his heel persona when he left to the baby face, I think was the biggest 
sort of um, turning point of this segment and the Britt Baker obvious face turn being compounded in this in this segment as well. If it wasn't already obvious, yes, I know people are going to be like, Joker, it was already obvious they were they were baby faces. Eh, kind of. Because Adam Cole came out to mock Jericho last week. He could have still been a little bit of a tweener. Um, so you you have those compounded effects. I like that. I like that that we're we're kind of drawing a line under it. Um, and this is the way it's gonna be. Plus, just feel like everybody wants to cheer Adam Cole and Britt Baker like they are they are fantastic. Uh I love Britt Baker. I love Adam Cole. I can't say enough good things about them. Even whenever he's hailing and he was doing the uh, the undisputed stuff in NXT, I love them. Uh whenever he's doing all the the heel stuff, the the baby face stuff, whatever he does, and then Britt Baker's been just an absolute standout for me since starting AEW. And yeah, this this segment was su- just supremely brutal enough because it left Brit with a nice black eye, which I don't know if you've seen on Twitter. Soraya and her entire family have taken to using that picture as their profile picture. Yeah. Good job. I would say that getting heat is the appropriate action for the heels there. You mentioned that maybe a little bit of the bloom came off the rose for Chris, Mr. Jericho there trying to keep the heat and be a bad guy. He's pretty much been a heel for his entire AEW run, pretty much for the most part. Maybe sprinkled little elements of trying to go tweener, but mostly heel anyway. But I'd agree. The the impact of this beating and the segment there solidified Brit and Adam Cole as very much babyface, which I think was the intended piece. Of course, it happened in Pittsburgh, which is Brit's hometown. Britsburg. Gotta give it the right name. There you go. Of course, is Brit's hometown, as well as Adam Cole's sort of adopted piece by via Brit. So the impact there of the reaction of the crowd and all the elements into play was solidified there, so... No doubt about it, Adam Cole and Britt are baby faces. Chris Jericho and Soraya and said folks aligned with them getting heat. So the booing was there for sure. So I recalled when I was seeing this happen live, I'm like, oh man, nice little call back to Triple H getting handcuffed to the ring rope and Randy Orton was attacking Stephanie, laser out with the RKO. And guy that goes in for that kiss and Triple H is going wild and he's like, get off her and this thing. So that's what flew in my mind. Not to say that it was explicitly a callback, but when you play those chords right of a song and you try to do a cover of that or retell a storyline of sorts, when done right, the song and the storyline sounds and resonates right. So very much the goal here, and I think if I can be fair to say, leading to a Jericho-Cole match. Hopefully sometime soon, maybe at the next pay-per-view, Joker? Possibly. Uh, We could also possibly, now this just kind of popped into my head, see a mixed tag match. 
with uh, Soraya and Chris versus uh, Austin and Britt. Sorry, Adam and Britt. So uh, we could uh, we could definitely possibly uh, th the seeds are there. I actually would really like to see it because I would like to see uh, Britt do the Panama Sunrise on Chris because you know Chris would do it. <laughs> just just like come on, he's got to do that. Um, so it, 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 the possibility is there. Um, I would like to see that, but I would also, I really would like to see, uh, the first successful, um, feud sort of end for Adam Cole, which kind of just means a one-on-one -on -one match versus him and Jericho, because I don't think the beef is going to be squashed between Soraya and Rit right now, so. Yeah, I can definitely see a, a match at the next pay-per-view. Agreed. The solidifying of the impact of this entire segment leading to a Jericho-Cole match eventually. Of course, earlier in the night, Britt and Jamie Hayter faced off against Storm and Ruby Soho. The end of that match, which was a little bit of off-camera, they showed it a little bit, but Jamie Hayter was essentially just thrown into the steps and tacked the arm and she was sort of walked off by medical and that's why mm. if folks were wondering oh maybe why didn't jamie come down they sort of planted that seeds earlier at the end of that tag match to set up eventually what we ended up getting so no mm -hmm. hater in that particular aspect but in addition to the cole and jericho Presumably matchup coming further the the heat and the feud between Soraya and the outcasts and the feuding of Brit and the homegrown talent of AEW on the women's division. So I like that it kind of killed two birds with one stone, essentially, that we're continuing to do that. These merging of these different elements, the men's and the women's kind of storyline crossing paths for a moment and then most likely staying separate as well because of the connection between Britt and Adam Cole here. But I like that we're giving a bit of the women the spotlight by proxy of this confrontation. So I think one of the things I hearken off about is it happens in wrestling, I've seen it occasionally in WWE as well, that you are staying in your storyline, you don't mention other people in, in, a, in a men's division, in a women's division, you are completely isolated, you have this thing that you don't bring them up or anything like that, so we had like an MJF or a Chris Jericho mention a Britt Baker I think previously as well. All these little different elements, I like that we can have a little bit of realism, like it's not in isolation. We can cross paths, we can cross-pollinate, we can have it feel like it's a real thing as opposed to like, a, for example, a, a Jade Cargill will never mention anything other than I'm waiting for my next opponent and I'm currently feuding with Taya and I will literally only mention things around that as opposed to, hey, this Brit and this Soraya, this Chris, this Adam Cole thing. I do like that we changed up the formula a little bit. Mm. No, I definitely agree with that. Whenever, whenever you see on, on WWE did this um, 
a little while ago and everybody was super surprised and super welcoming about it whenever i think uh trips took over he he sort of blurred the lines between storylines and let everybody see that the the company the the, the backstage was sort of this this organism that these people do see each other they do cross paths and i think it's good for tk to sort of do this because i really enjoyed it personally i like seeing um the fact that other wrestlers will acknowledge the fact that there are other people we are either waiting in the wings or you know uh we are sort of i've i've come from this sort of position where i was fighting x person to now this person um you know and eventually we're gonna we're gonna take over and and beat x amount of people um it it shows that we're thinking about more than just the storyline but we are also very much within the storyline of AEW I don't want them to just start randomly bringing stuff in to be like, oh, by the way, you know, Scorpio Sky, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, Sammy Guevara, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, just random names pulled out of a hat, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I don't want that kind of stuff. But if it makes sense, then Grit. Grit is having a feud with the Outcasts. Grit is, Grit is in a relationship with Adam Cole. Adam Cole is getting beat up by the JAS. It makes sense for the JAS and the outcasts to come together, do this thing. 100% love to see it. Um, I personally was a little bit disappointed Keith Lee didn't come out and maybe try and help make a save as well. Um, I know there's no implicit uh, relationship between Adam Cole and Keith Lee at the minute. It was just one save. Um, so I, I completely get that. But it would have been nice to maybe see the fact that even though Jake Hager, Cool Hand Ange, and, and Daddy Magic's uh, nipples were in the next match, that uh, maybe they were backstage and not out helping for this because they were maybe taking care of Keith Lee. It would have been nice to see that little bit of a, an extra sort of added nugget of story to just blend everything in, you know? I think that's apropos when these storylines don't feel sterile. But they interweave or you notice things, little Easter eggs, as you mentioned, that Papa H has been putting in the background of backstage segments, things of such. Makes it feel alive, like it's a living organism. Feel like it makes it more intriguing to be engaged with product when you can maybe catch these Easter eggs or observe or, or feel that it's alive as opposed to a sterile environment. So I'd agree. But... Chaotic PT incoming here. Trigger warning. Outcast joining JAS. Interesting. All right. How is Soraya, Tony Storm, and Ruby Soho going to be as part of the JAS? No, PT. No, I'm not going to fantasy book that. You're on your own on that branch, that branch, that ledge, whatever you want to stand out on. I don't, I don't think. I don't personally, I don't think there's room. Uh, if we have the outcasts joining the JAS, don't forget the JAS has two homegrown female talent in it. has Ty Mello and it has uh, Anna JAS, who are AEW, basically AEW originals, even though, yes, Ty Mello was um, part of WWE's performance center. Um, so 
I don't think the two merge as nicely. So yeah, I'm gonna have to go with a veto on that one. I don't, I don't know what, what is, what do you, what do you think? What is the, uh, what is the sort of chaos behind the chaos here? Well, the quick notion of you say wouldn't fit because they're heels. They can just be like, ah, that's fine. We get along because we're heels, so it's fine. But, but I can. I mean, I'm just being chaotic. I don't think they're officially joining. I think this is a partnership of opportunity and a partnership of the moment to take out the each other's sort of problem at the moment the aligning of these two so i don't think they're officially joining but yeah i was hearing a little bit on the social media sphere that folks were like oh it's a thing now so is they join forces the Santa third so moment of opportunity to do that but i mean the social media sphere does does say a lot of random things i was looking before we started about uh the to try and see how many layers deep the the Brit black eye kind of went on Soraya's family. And somebody had mentioned that uh, Brit was wearing green, so she's officially joining the outcasts. And she quote retweeted it and went, no. <laughs> How many more colors of my clothes do I have to get rid of? This is stupid or whatever, paraphrasing, of course. But I just thought it was funny. It's like, yeah, the wrestling uh, wrestling community, internet wrestling community just uh, loves to um, Loves to stir the pot with the random little mm, interesting uh, beard scratches. So, uh, yeah. Definitely pot stirring for sure. And if I can stir the pot, if I can a little bit, I actually foresee when thinking of the players involved, this got me percolating in my brainy brain. I feel like this could possibly lead to a women's blood and guts match. And here's where. Here's where I'm thinking. We have, we have Soraya, we have Tony Storm, we have Ruby So and the Outcasts. Because of this moment in time, we can have Anna Jay and Ty Mello join forces with them. So we have a five-woman team for this collective feud. Facing off against, we have a Britt Baker, a Jamie Hayter. That's two, right? We can have a Hikaru Shida. We have a Riho. We can have a potentially a Willow Nightingale. That could be a five team there. Just the sort of homegrown-ish people from AEW facing off against those folks. It just popped up in my brain. Could be pers- Could be a possibility. Could not be. But that's something my brain jumped to. I was going to say, like you mentioned her last, though, like Willow Nightingale. If you weren't going to say Willow Nightingale, like she's she's a hundred percent in that match. Uh, the link with Ruby Soho. And the fact that Willow is like one of my favorites right now, she's just f- fantastic. Um, love to see, love to see Willow doing really well. I'm not a hundred percent sure whether or not I want to see Anna JAS and Ty Mello in there. Though I'm just not a hundred percent sure. I I completely understand the the logic between uh, making it happen, definitely, but. I'm just not sure if maybe there isn't any other talent that they could maybe get outside of the JAS. It just popped in my brain because you said that. Athena is a heel and Ring of Honor Women's Champion. Make it a four I was thinking it. 
I was thinking it, and you said it. Yep, I was like, because Athena is definitely a heel right now. Yep, hundred percent. She did have ties uh, to the other ladies as well. Um, so it's 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 definitely there. I would love to. I, I honestly, I'm I'm all for this idea. I think a women blood, women's blood and guts match would be groundbreaking for AEW to perform. It would give us more than one match for blood and guts. Um, you start a show, you end a show with the blood and guts match. That'd be great. Have the men go on first. Have the ladies go on last in the main event. I think that would that would be fantastic. Especially, excuse me, especially if we're um building this story for a long period of time. If it's a long-built story and it's making sense and it's doing well, like hopefully it will start gaining more traction because I'm actually having fun with it now. I wasn't really too bothered with the outcasts for a while, but this link, that, that day in Britsburg, honestly kind of sold me on the idea of, um, of a big match, really. Uh, so yeah, definitely could be on the cards for these ladies. And uh, honestly, I don't think you would find a better group of ladies to have a banger match. Just an interesting notion popped in my brain. It could be a possibility, but I'd agree that it's going to lead to at least a feud or maybe something bigger between Jericho and Cole, as well as some iteration of a continuing match or feud with Soraya and Britt and company. But those were our thoughts on the Britt Baker, Adam Cole, Outcast, and JS segment from this past week's episode of AEW Dynamite. Let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, and let us know what your impressions were in the possibility as well of a bigger match and maybe a women's blood and guts match my last topic that we'll cover here today wardlow wins the tnt championship in a backstage before the match wardlow mentions learning from a horseman but he's going to have another horseman have his back for the night, of course, it is Arn Anderson is now aligned with Wardlow. Finish of the match up, we see QTV's Harley jump on the apron to distract Wardlow. QT nails Wardlow with a cutter while everyone has their attention diverted. Wardlow kicks out. QT is upset and gets in the ref's face, but Arn Anderson confronts QT in the ring, pulls out the Glock. QT hightails it, but gets hit with a super kick on the ramp from Penta. Circles back into the ring and gets hit by a DDT from the man himself, Arn Anderson. Wardlow ends up hitting three power bombs on Hobbs and wins the TNT Championship for a third time, joining the likes of Cody Rhodes and Sammy Guevara as the only men to do so at the time of recording. Joker. Thoughts and impressions on the match and Wardlow regaining the TNT Championship. So this may not particularly uh, have any effect for our audio listeners, but Face Palm. Why? What are we doing? 
who put this title in the microwave and just said, let's play some hot potato. What is going on here, boys and girls? Joker said he wanted uh, Hobbs to have like a reign of terror, an eight-month tirade of just murdering folk. You know, and all he got was cute TV and like one extra chapter in the Book of Hobbs. It was awful. This is terrible. I am very unhappy right now. And I I love me some Hobbs. I love me some Wardlow. Arn Anderson's there, sure. QT. Me. But. This. Why? Why, PT? Why? Explain it. You and I are big on Hobbs. We really like that he won the TNT Championship. It had been a minute. We felt like he had strong momentum and finally got his chance winning a title. And you mentioned it as well in a previous episode. And we had discussions. We wanted to see Hobbs get that strong run to help solidify him as a solid mid-card and potentially moving on to bigger and better things. But I got to say it's a little bittersweet for Hobbs. He's had some mixed booking with his time in Team Taz, being the muscle and then eventual tag partner with Ricky Starks. He then floats around for a little bit, doing some squash matches. He ends up winning that Face of the Revolution ladder match, wins that TNT championship, only holds it for 42 days, and then drops it back to Wardlow. So, bittersweet in that end. I'd like me some Wardlow. I think it's just one of those things that he's just had that rough bit of booking. After that match with MJF, he gets, uh, he gets a little bit of a push ski, but he ends up fighting security guards as an offshoot of a Smart Mark Sterling thing, which is weird. He then wins the TNT Championship for the first time. But it's sort of maligned. He gets some squash matches by the likes of Dolph Ziggler's brother, uh, Ryan Nemeth. Ryan is Nemeth. One, was one of the matches, things of such. He ends up teaming with Samoa Joe. So it was kind of a roller coaster for Wardlow. As well as I'd aforementioned with kind of Hobbs, where there wasn't maybe a solid direction on where we're going with these two fellas. But bittersweet with Hobbs. We wanted a strong run. We ended up having that match with Samoa Joe and Wardlow. Wins the title for a second time. Holds it for three days. Drops it to Hobbs. Then he drops it back. This is a return or a reiteration of the conversation we had again a number of weeks ago. About a month's time where talking about the AEW TNT Championship since January. Man, this thing has been bounced around to Darby, to Samoa Joe, to Wardlow, to Hobbs, now back to Wardlow. If I'm not mistaken, the I did some of the math in that previous episode. Outside of a Wardlow, a Darby, and a Miro reign, which was a little longer, the average reign's about 40 days, which ended up being roughly the time that Hobbs had it, so... I don't know, man. What, what's, what are we doing with this TNT championship, brother? I, I just don't know. We, we, Kayfabe docs that we have up on the uh, up on the channel gives you the entire history, a brief history of uh, of the TNT championship. In that, there are 
way too many title holders for the length of time that this thing has been out. And most of them have been this year. It's just ridiculously stupid. I get it. You want to put your title on this person or that person. Scheduling conflicts maybe have caused issues for this person or that person. But there's there's already one champion. Already, sorry, let, let me rephrase. There's already one championship belt in the company that has had one champion holding it. And that's Jade and the TBS title. This is the complete opposite of that title. And it was meant to be a, you know, that the TNT title is the men's version of this mid-card belt. The TBS is the women's version. But the, T the TNT has had almost as many champions as Jade has defeated for her winning streak. Like, it's, it makes no sense to me why we're giving Wardlow this belt back. He shouldn't have been in a in a um in a feud with uh with Hobbs. Um he shouldn't have won this belt back. I don't know what QTV's about. I'm I know it's supposed to be something akin to something you guys have over there in America, uh or whatever it is, but it makes it doesn't translate well, at least for me. It's boring. It's crap. Um, so to have QTV, and I, I get it. People like people in the backstage like uh, like QT Marshall. I, I I can't deny he he has a brain for the business. He knows what he's doing. But he does not need to be in this story. He he or someone is shoehorning him into this story, and therefore it has kept. Hobbs in a stupid storyline with Wardlow, which meant that the belt had to change hands. It makes no sense. Honestly, makes no sense. And I'm having a really hard time seeing where it should go from here, not just for the belt, but for Wardlow and for Hobbs. Like the only direction Hobbs has is to turn on QT, destroy uh, the factory, because that's what their faction used to be called, and for Wardlow to then drop the belt back to Hobbs in 41 and a half days. Like, that's probably what's going to happen. Brought up a couple good points there. The first of which, the TNT, compared to the TBS, we have completely different booking. And it's maybe a thing of circumstances one title holder for the TBS, which is Jade. I mentioned it before, nothing against Jade herself. Beautiful woman, strong presentation, very athletic look. There's a knit factor there. There is a different... There is a disparity in the quality of wrestling you get between a world championship, for example, like a Jamie Hayter or Tony Storm, compared with a Jade. It'll come with time as Jade feels more comfortable, but it's a different type of match. So ergo, maybe because of Jade's familiarity and comfortability, perhaps we're getting a different booking style compared to the TNT where we've had some stronger athletes and we've had a bit of bangers of the matches themselves, but it's moved 
it's I wouldn't say Vince Russo like hot shotting, but it's moved around quite a bit. Then we have you also brought up the point of the QTV, which I think is pretty much a parody of TMZ, the sort of paparazzi esque kind of thing where you're just kind of taking shots and you're trying to report some little minute detail about a celebrity, things of such. But this was shoehorned into a rivalry of sorts, which came out of Hobbs winning the the face of the revolution ladder match, getting a shot at the TNT championship. Actually Wardlow getting his car broken into and his stuff taken was now put into a storyline with this for the Hobbs deal. I don't think, honestly, from a perception standpoint, that the QTV partnership with Hobbs has really benefited Hobbs. We'd have the occasional skit that's shown on television of a QTV thing, and from my memory, Hobbs really didn't show up in those segments. It was about QT Marshall, it was about the Harley, Cameron, I believe the young lady's name is, it had Aaron Solo show up, things like that, but we really didn't see a Hobb-featured piece. We did have that one tag match, I think it was on Rampage, where the Lucha Brothers faced off against Hobbs and QT. It was about a couple weeks back. But outside of QT accompanying Hobbs to the ring, there wasn't much impact with QT's partnership with Hobbs. As opposed to a now partnership with Armed Anderson, pulling out the Glock, and... Wardlow here, I feel like, and I'll throw it over to you, that Arn Anderson partnering with the Wardlow character would do a little bit more from a just a fan's perspective element than a QT and a Hobbs partnership would. What do you think? I, I honestly don't know. This is this is another thing that I'm a wee bit confused by. Obviously, referencing the previous horseman we had, Tully Blanchard, uh, in the Pinnacle, worked with Wardlow. Fair enough. Now we have Armed Arn Anderson, whose last client was Cody Rhodes. And we all know where he is now. Um, so it feels to me like they're not sure what to do with Wardlow but they're giving him a belt. But they also need to give him a manager. Maybe someone's not confident in his promo skills. Okay, I'll give it to you. His promos are hit or miss sometimes. 50-50. Um, Arn as well. I wasn't a huge fan of his, his promos trying to hype up Cody with the, you know, with the Glock and all this here. And I'm like, Okay, gun control, but <sighs> is this good for for them? Mm, it's better than nothing, I suppose. I just feel like everyone involved in this has been tarred by the TNT belt curse, and it's difficult to see past it. When you're trying something new, QT's partnership with Hobbs, and now Arn Anderson's partnership with Wardlow. Not everything is going to be a home run. We might get 
a small hit might get a single. This is American baseball reference. So you might get a little bit of traction. It might be, you might strike out and get nothing, or it might just be the one thing where it's like, man, for whatever reason, this thing works. And both of these two guys, maybe an Arn and a Wardlow, are elevating one another and it becomes something. Only time will tell, but I think at least this could be good for Arn. This could be good for Wardlow. The partnership gives a little bit of a rubski to Wardlow because of Arn's presence in the business and that sort of mentor element that's coming into play. So I'm hoping that this can lead to something. You hit it on the head. Wardlow's can, his promos themselves can be a little hit or miss. So maybe having, throwing over to Arn to say a line or two and then kind of getting him refocused or things takes a little bit of the pressure off. We mentioned it in the first topic. Get some reps. Iron sharpens iron. Work with folks that are better than you. You get more comfortable. You get more time on the stick to helpfully make yourselves better so that eventually, when you're setting up to be in the higher tier, you can hold a promo. And it's like, man, I'm looking back. Remember when Arn and, and Mordlow first started their partnership? Man, this guy is just getting things are working. So hopefully we get there. I think. Because Arn hadn't been on TV for a minute. You mentioned with the Cody piece being his last client. Wardlow had been away since after that match where Hobbs won the championship. Hopefully this is good. Good things come out of it. I feel like it can be a positive for both men. Time shall see if this flourishes into something. But I want to throw it to one last question that we have here. Previous conversation that we had with the TNT Championship, I threw over a question to you about should the TNT Championship and now the named International Championship be unified? Your original answer was no, you didn't think it should be more belts, more opportunities for folks. We've seen the booking be different with these two championships. Now, Mr. Joker, is your with time has passed, do you feel like your answer might be the same? Do you feel like it could be different? What are your thoughts? Oh, no, my answer is completely different. Unify these two belts and get rid of that TNT title because it is, it is dog right now. Um, get rid of it. If you can't book it, don't do it. Just, oh, I'm like, I can't. I can't articulate how annoyed I am with how poor the direction for the TNT title has gone. And it feels like they just don't want to pull the trigger on one of these two big guys, considering we have pillars who are having a tournament. What you have is a ready-made sort of... Um, interim challenger for mjf in wardlow like while you know mjf is sort of getting his uh getting his his distraction on why do we have why don't we have wardlow come in and be like hey max i beat you i got out from under your thumb you're making all these guys jump through hoops i'm pretty sure i could smash those hoops and then get a get a match and then get beaten. 
and then have MJF have a win over Wardlow, getting his win back, and also making himself look good going into the final match, which is going to be him versus Darby, which we've already discussed. So like everybody wins, you know? Wardlow gets another good match, an actual good match, instead of, you know, shenanigans, which has happened in the TNT, because he didn't win clean. That's the other thing. He didn't win clean. There was shenanigans. It was just all over the show. It was stupid. I know I know Hobbs didn't take any damage, but it was just the case of it was all over the show. It looked really bad. So yeah, Wardlow could have been on a perpendicular course to give Max a little bit of uh antagonistic drama. Barely makes it out alive against Wardlow. Goes in against a weakened Darby. Oh, I don't know if we can do it. Oh, my shoulder's hurting. Oh, my back's hurting from the Powerbomb Symphony. Oh, I kicked out of that, but I'm so good because I've got the Triple B. And then, you know, he beats he beats Darby clean and Bish Bash Bosh. We retain the championship. Because we all know that Adam Cole is, is the one that's going to take the belt off from the end of the year, if not start of 2024. Um... So I, it's just one of those things, man. I honestly think that if they aren't going to book this thing right, have Wardlow lie down for Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy unifies the two belts. Um, I don't know. Do uh, do a power lifting competition with Wardlow for something. Quite intriguing that in roughly a month and change time, your perception and your answer changed on the same question and it has to do with the booking and the presentation and the perception of the tnt championship so fair play i had high hopes bt and they were summarily dashed with this this latest booking decision so i can't can't blame them on i am not going to stick to my guns if my guns make no sense i can understand that and i can acknowledge that you brought up in your response, you got my brain thinking as well. Now that Jungle Boy is out of that AEW tournament for the Pillars, uh, tournament for the AEW championship, could he try to go after a TNT or an AEW international championship? And perhaps the loser of that Sammy Darby match, could they go after the other belt or vice versa? What do you think it to help create even? Some interest, maybe a mini feud, or just create a championship opportunity. What are you thinking? Interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I honestly don't know. It, it depends on whether or not we do it next week or in two weeks, because I'd rather see Wardlow lose at 41 days than seven days. Um, because that's the obvious outcome of that mini feud, is Jungle Boy to win the TNT title, right? Because anybody who challenges it for it now should just win it. Um, I don't know. You can't take me seriously right now. I'm just going to be like, oh yeah, sure. Uh, Hook wants to become the FTWTNT international title you know, champion. Give, give him all the belts. Great. There you go. Not to say that it's a consolation prize, but it could be something that, well, Jungle Jack missed out on the AEW championship, 
slide over to something else to help him make look strong, as well as the the loser of the Sammy Darby thing. You know, just an idea I had because of your response. I don't I don't disagree, but a consolation prize has to have some value. TNT title championship thing belt whatever you want to call it has no value. The FTW championship, which is a non-sanctioned belt has more value than the TNT title right now in my opinion PT and I you disagree with that fair enough but like in my opinion Kirk has won uh has won more matches in defense of his FTW title than Wardlow has right now so uh... fire and brimstone we are burning the bridges right now the you heard it here first the FTW championship sits higher in the chain than the TNT championship. I can hear us being canceled right now. Now make that the title of this video. Clickbait it. We're out here. Let's burn all the bridges, PT. Come on. I can hear the mob coming with the pitchforks and the torches. They're coming for us. We're gonna be all the social media shenanigans are upcoming. Bring it, baby. There you go. So with that, those were our thoughts on Wardlow winning the TNT Championship. Maybe what's coming up next for both of these gentlemen, Wardlow, Hobbs, a little bit of that armed Anderson, all the players involved. Let us know down in the comment section below on YouTube or hit us up on Twitter or Instagram and let us know what your thoughts were on perhaps the FTW Championship being higher than the TNT Championship. Hot take, let us know down in the comments below. Yeah. All right, so that's going to do it for us. We're going to wrap it up here. Joker, interesting episode here. Hot diggity pillars, fighting, people getting beaten down, handcuffs, screaming, breaking kayfabe, guys winning championships. Titles devalued or valued. What is even going on? Still no. There's a lot more than drama in the backstage for AEW right now. There's drama unfolding out on the uh out on the sacred mat. So yeah, it it was fun though. I I liked being able to just sort of uh bounce bounce ideas back and forth there and you know come up with the fact that the FTW championship is rated higher than the TNT title right now, because honestly it is. Uh in terms of how important it is. And her cousin been on TV for like a hot minute, so yeah. I don't even know what's going on. We got some turmoil perhaps in the ring with these segments. Turmoil in the writer's room and in the booking committee. Mm, I don't know. Turmoil in the locker room. Brand splits and roster splittings and new shows and folks not getting along and meetings having to be mediated or even if they're happening, what is even going on? The old adage that life imitates art, art imitates life. Sometimes the real life is more of a story than the stories are stories. I don't know, man. I'm looking forward to the chaos because when things are going crazy and wild, it leads to a little bit more fun chatting over here on the show. 
Oh yeah, and you best believe when the chaos of this brand new show that I know everybody like it is an AEW centric episode, and this is like our second in the last little, little while. When the the dust finally settles and the news is confirmed on this brand new show, you best believe your boy Joker has something to say about it. So don't worry, we're not just going to sit here and speculate though. So um, put those pitchforks away for uh, away for now. We will deal with that bombshell or sorry should i say pipe bomb uh another day well if the keep going at this clip man aew's having a little ooh bang bang a little shoot we're gonna what you want to shoot cowboy (laughs) but be that as it may with there's continue to be turmoil in storylines, turmoils in booking, and turmoils in the locker room. Chaos leads to, like we mentioned, more fun on the show, more fun and talking points, and hot dang, it's just, can't we all just get along? No. No, we can't. We'll leave it at that. So, for TF Joker. FT-Dub. FT-Dub. FT dot oh no, maybe I shouldn't do that. And for me, pretty Tony, we thank you for your time and let us be a part of your day. And remember, be good to yourself, be good to each other, and we will catch you next time. Peace.